vixens, vixies, all ye who listen. Uh, sorry, it's uh, again been a little bit, but uh, Jesse and I are back and uh, I am sitting on a birthing ball as we speak. No, I'm not in active labor. No, I'm not in any kind of labor. I'm just very, uh, very pregnant here and <laughs> trying to make the most of uh, my last few weeks before baby comes. Um, so, you know, that's, I'd say that's dedication, right, Jesse? Yes, I would say. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> I need the cheerleading. Um, and speaking of cheerleaders, we've got a friend back with us, Dr. Irene Mavrakakis, or uh, Dr. Mav, as we like to call her. Hi, thanks for having me on again. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Well, really, we've got to thank you for uh, this meeting tonight, because I probably wouldn't have had the energy to uh, get it going or really get it off the get it off the shelf. But so Dr. Mav is responsible for connecting us on Twitter with Dr. Reed Sheftall. Um, did I say that right? Yeah, that's it. Well, welcome to our podcast, The Voluntary Vixens. Thank, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So um, again, it's Twitter's a weird place. And actually, Twitter's a little bit more fun Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. It's more fun these days than uh, than it had been for the past few years, as literally everybody was just getting shut down left, right and center for having <laughs> wrong think uh, opinions. And so whoever the hell Elon Musk is, whether he's uh, actually kind of red pilled or whether he's controlled up, whether he's an alien or a shapeshifter, I don't know. But <laughs> Twitter's a little bit more fun again. So anyway, um, yeah, all the all the fun uh, misfit uh wrong thinkers that we've uh, been able to connect with over the uh, past few years in the internet. I'm happy to have stumbled upon um, Dr. Sheftal here and, uh, you know, lucky enough that uh, he was accessible and willing to join us. So Dr. Sheftal, um, would you like to introduce yourself or do you want me to kind of uh, give you a little go? Well, um, well either one is fine. Um, I can tell you a little bit about my background and then turn it back over to you. Does that sound okay? That sounds great. All right. Well, I was a physics major at MIT before I got involved in, in medical school. And I even taught physics for one year at USC when I was 21 years mm. old, which is very <laughs> weird. The students, some of the students were older than me. Wow. But then I got interested in being a surgeon. So I went back to medical school and surgery residency and did plastic surgery for about 20 years. And then about seven or eight years ago, I went back and did cardiothoracic surgery. And I fixed children's hearts that are in our um, charity called Operation Kids. It's overseas. Mm. So, um, and what got me interested in COVID is uh, I noticed some things that didn't make any sense from Phnom Penh, Cambodia, where I was, for example, the infection fatality rate. So I've been involved in it the whole year. And I, I just wrote a book about it called Heroes and Villains, the COVID-19 Book of Lists. Mm. And that's about where I stand now. I get... Um, <laughs> asked on interview shows like this sometimes which is great and um i'm looking forward to today i think i'm uh just connecting the dots now actually that i i know i've heard of this book um on other podcasts and just you know passing through the internet and so i didn't realize this was actually you so now dots are connecting i see um dr yeadon um who is another pretty yeah. familiar name is also another author on this so you know, you're in good and um, very well, I guess, recognized or a high profile company. Yeah, Dr. Eden was really great. I, I had an idea that I would write this book because it was a book that needed to be 
written, you know, to see mm -hmm. who did all these horrible things, basically. And I asked Dr. Yeadon for a list, you know, or two just to contribute. And uh, he sent me two great chapters. So I put those right in verbatim. I didn't even change one word of him because he's such a great voice uh, in the movement, if you want to call it that, of honesty in, in science. Wow. So actually, it sounds like, is this book kind of like a compilation? Um, uh, so other folks contributed to it and you put it together well, or? Just just Eden and myself. I asked a few other people to contribute, but they didn't want to. They, th they knew <laughs> it would be very controversial because yeah. I've got the heroes listed. And for example, Dr. Eden, I've got number one in, in the 31 physicians and scientists most brave and challenging the narrative. And I ranked him that before he submitted the chapters, by the way, because um, he really has, to me, he's the most important person. But um, I've also got villains lists. And I, I list <laughs> like the most, the 15 um, women responsible for the most death and destruction, for example. I mean, really hardcore <laughs> lists. And I'll tell you, those lists, people are really mad about it because it um, put, puts their name there with their mm -hmm. picture. I've got the photographs of the people I'm listing. And I'll tell you, if I, I that's why I know all of it's true is because I haven't gotten sued yet, because I'll tell you, they're, they're ready to kill me or sue me or something. I'll tell you that. And um, well, there's 75 <laughs> lists in the book. And I, I tell you, I go into some really hmm. great detail making these lists. I'm not kidding. Well, that's the like point, I, right? If it's true, it's not slander. So no, mm -hmm. it's, if it's true, true, it's not slander. And I, of that's course, right. I, I, cannot afford to be sued um, on many levels. So, uh, but I also want to defend innocent people who were hurt by this. So I, I made lists of, like I say, um, 75, under 75 topics. And some of them are not pretty, but they had to be listed. I love lists. Yeah, it I like do too. That's why I thought it was a good idea for a book because you don't, have to, you don't have to read it through like a narrative story. You mm -hmm. can pick it up and read one list before dinner and just and just discuss it with your husband or your friends, and you can you know debate over whether the list is in the right order. Why is <laughs> so and so ranked above someone else? And so I put paragraphs under each name to explain why that why why they're there in the list, and people will have different opinions. But I tried to make the the reasons valid. And so it's, it's kind of interesting to debate the list and you, you can leave it on the coffee table. It's a big eight and a half by 11 book and you nice. can use it as a conversation starter anytime. Yeah. I really wish I could leave it in my office. Well, <laughs> There'd be so many meltdowns. We'll will steal it on you. I've, that's happened already. A lot of people have had to come back and order more books because they put it on the coffee table in the lobby of the office and it's gone. <laughs> that's what well, they told me. I feel like uh, in some of our office spaces, somebody might uh, like villainously trash it or something because God forbid we question the narrative and God forbid, you know, we question the CDC, those brilliant people who, you know, decided, um, I think racism was a disease. I can't remember what other kind of crazy things have come out uh, simultaneously uh, <laughs> over the past few years, but all these things where um, it's like here, is this supposed authority and then they come out with these opinions that are just like absolutely clownish and not even having to do with COVID. I just mean like the context of 
how we're supposed to look up to and follow recommendations from these people. It's, it's been well, horrible to see what they've come up with. I mean, you know, telling us to um, get the vaccine after, you know, months after we've proved that it doesn't block transmission and it doesn't, it's not efficacious at all. And they still want people to take it. And they say that if you get the vaccine, you're a dead end for the virus. It's absolutely 100% incorrect. And they still, Rochelle Walensky still comes on MSNBC and says it. It's just right. mind-boggling to me that they can lie bold-faced like that to the American public, to the world public, really. Right, and that's a classic example of top-down, monopolistic, non-competitive entities driving COVID mania. And that's Absolutely. a classic example. We have to remember that the CDC is funded by the CDC Foundation, which is funded by the pharmaceutical industry. The equivalent situation exists for the World Health Organization. And the CDC has no governing authority. They issue guidance. And really, the COVID tyranny came from we the people, governmental entities, businesses, and doctors listening to this quote-unquote guidance. You know, and we also have to remember that the fact that vaccinating during a pandemic for a respiratory virus is not really scientifically based. It right. doesn't make sense. And PCR testing is invalid as it relates to the diagnosis of COVID and yeah. all those things. But can we go back, Reed? <clears throat> you know, in the beginning, I know this part you analyzed when yeah. the British statistician said that everybody's going to die because mm -hmm. of this PCR test. And I just want to put a little tiny tidbit. The people that had those positive PCR tests were nursing home patients, military, and the um, healthcare workers. And that population is heavily flu vaccinated. And there's a Department of Defense study from 2018 that demonstrated that flu vaccine increases coronavirus susceptibility by 36%. It's on table five of that wow. paper. So I'm not sure if you've seen that. I can send it to you. But what I want to know is because you were looking at that data, when did you first recognize, you know, that the data was wrong? It was in, um, uh, well, I was in Cambodia doing the charity at the time. And of course, I was getting um, news flashes all day long about the virus that was in Wuhan because I'm, I'm closer to China. Makes and um, I remember there was a cruise ship that was docked in Yokohama, Japan. It was in quarantine. Mm -hmm. And already they were saying that the infection fatality rate was anywhere from about 2.8% to 7%, depending on which who you ask. So the average is about 4%. And I knew there was a problem there because there was too much um, variability between the different factions claiming the infection fatality rate. In other words, you know, you don't have to take a very obvious example that everyone will remember. Remember when Germany had it at 3% and Italy had it between 7 and 11%? That, that never happens in medicine. Like if you look at one cardiac group versus another, the best in the country is going to have a, um, a fatality rate and cardiac bypass of maybe a percent. And the, the average one is a percent 0.4 or something like that. They're very close. 
And so that's true also in treating an infectious disease. You don't have one country right across the border being more than double another country. They'd get on the phone and say, what are y'all doing that's working so well? And they'd Mm -hmm. fix it immediately, you know? So I knew there was a problem. And it turns out they were engaged in something called selection bias. They weren't counting the asymptomatic cases, if you remember. They were only counting people that had symptoms and went to the hospital. So that made the denominator in the infection fatality rate, which is number of deaths divided by number infected, made the denominator too small when you're not counting all the infected people because you're missing the asymptomatic ones. So that makes the quotient larger. If you remember back from when you learned fractions, when the denominator is smaller, Mm -hmm. the the whole fraction is larger. Mm -hmm. All right. So they were, they were artificially lowering the denominator, which worked toward their favor because they were trying to scare everybody at this point. I'm talking about in February of 2020. Right. So the way to solve this problem is find an isolated population and check everyone. So we were lucky that that cruise ship was in Japan because, you know, the Japanese people are very thorough and they don't mind spending the money to sequence every single person on a cruise ship. And when, when I got a hold of that data and, and crunched the numbers out, the infection fatality rate was 0.1%, not 4%. It was 140th of what they were saying. And for months and months and months, CD, uh, the CDC stuck to the 4% number. And finally in September, you know, nine months <laughs> after we had figured this out, myself and Dr. Levitt and Dr. Ioannidis, nine months after we had said, no, y'all are wrong. It's, it's you know, 0. 0.1, 0.2%, something like that. They finally agreed with us and said, oh, you guys are right. It is it is 0.1% or 0.2%. This is in, February, in um, September of 2020. But by then, they already scared everybody into lockdowns. Yeah. Yep. Now, here's the problem. When they <laughs> caught wind of what we were saying about the infection fatality rate being 0.1% or 0.2%. Uh, Dr. Um, Levitt had it at 0.2 to 0.3%. I had it at 0.1%, which turned out to be right. But anyway, um, in the middle of the night on March, I'll give you the exact date here, March 24th, 2020 now. This is about two weeks after we had figured this out and let the world know. They changed the guidelines. Mm. See that graph there? If they had mm-hmm. left the guidelines alone, alone, the ones that were in place for 17 years, there would have been 9,684 deaths uh, on August 23rd of 2020. But because they changed the guidelines and started saying anyone with a positive PCR test within 28 days and so forth gets counted as a COVID death, the number of deaths recorded was 161,392. So they were grossly overstating the deaths in the United States. At that point, they were overstating them by 16 times. Think about that. Golly. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, not very (laughs) many people were actually dying of this. So if you look at the countries where they didn't use these crazy guidelines, the number of deaths in 2020 was actually lower than 2014 to 2019. That's right. this, This would never have even been noticed if if the um, powers that be hadn't exaggerated the death so much and scared everybody into lockdowns. This was, this was a horrible thing that was done to people. People lost their jobs, their livelihoods, their life savings, in some cases, their lives. 
I remember yeah. video clips about people losing the apartment they were living in and having to leave their apartment because they couldn't pay the rent. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was horrible what was done to the average person over this. Families that had businesses for 40 years lost them. Family businesses, you know, they went, they had to close the doors and they went bankrupt, never opened again. Yep. It was horrible what was done to people. And, you know, they, the people that did this need to be punished. That's another really topic, but they do. And then uh, the laptop elite class, you know, they were fine, but they were also the most afraid. They were the most gullible. I think they were the most accepting of this absolutely ASS backwards um, yeah. narrative that came out that to anybody who was willing to question, I think like what's crazy to me is folks that are quote unquote intelligent, that are super educated. But to me, it, it's always kind of been tied to like, well, how brainwashed are you in addition to that then? Mm -hmm. And how um, how likely are you to fall in line when it's uh, when it's time? And so it's like kind of what you just pointed out, like here's these guidelines for 17 years and all of this like basic biology, epidemiology, infectious disease knowledge that existed for decades. Everything about it like completely shifted on its head for COVID time and like it, it sent up red flags galore. And so like something... um. Irene pointed out is like this top down um, sort of like monopolistic view. It, like all these things were red flagging just, you know, Jesse and I do come from scientific backgrounds and she's actually a nurse. And so has like clinical and actual patient medical experience and training, but it's like, even just us, you know, normal people, quote unquote, um, this all, sounded wrong and there were folks like yourself and a very few number of others that were pointing out that this is insane like these are obviously inflated numbers and um yeah. it's just you, it, at the beginning it, we're still here at the beginning i'm not sure what happened to the regular medical community at the beginning there weren't too many people that really understood this it's like the doctors got swept up in it too yes now, yes um, as as people did not, as people began to listen to some of the statements that were made and 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 let them register a little bit, like when Fauci was telling people, even though if they had the disease and recovered, they still needed to get the vaccine. That's like freshman medical school stuff. If you've recovered from the disease, you don't need the vaccine. Absolutely, the read. Yeah, when you get the disease, you've got antibodies and T cell response to tons of proteins in the antigen, you know, in the pathogen. Exactly. And one unit, um, like a spike protein, that's just a um, yeah. single unit vaccine. It makes no sense that that just would be stronger than the yeah. recovery from the disease. So when the doctors heard that and did not speak up, that they fall into the coward category. Yeah, no, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, people were either stupid evil or they were cowards too some of them yeah. knew there was a problem and didn't say anything about it to protect their job so they're putting their bank account above the lives of innocent people including children at that point you know letting us go in and get vaccines given to everyone when no one even knew the long-term side effects that was absurd you mm -hmm. would never recommend vaccines because you're giving vaccines to healthy people they don't even have the disease yet so you never do something unsafe like that. Give something you don't know the long-term side effects. God, people fell for that hook, line, and sinker. And it made me sick to sit here. And I was screaming at the top of my lungs. It shouldn't be given to anybody. 
no matter yeah. what the efficacy is. You don't even know the yeah, long-term side effects. God, people, well, come on. That and the fear-mongering to begin with. Um, you know, the, the whole, yeah. all of 2020 before the miraculous quote-unquote vaccines came out that, you know, were like, what, 90 90 something crazy effect percent effective no, it was uh, absurd. Quote unquote. no. Just, yeah i've got so much to say about that but i'll, I'll wait until the conversation gets <laughs> to the vaccine we have so much to say okay. before that i mean look back in so. march you know we we had told them they had the wrong infection fatality rate this thing was exactly like the flu as far as fatality goes it was 0.1 percent so they're going to shut the whole world down for the flu is really what it was. We knew the infection mm -hmm. fatality rate. It was 0.1%. We knew it in March. On March 8th is when I put my thing out, which got taken down in one day mm -hmm. by Facebook. Mm. <clears throat> and um, Fascist book. Yeah. But anyway, um, so what happened was Trump announced that there were going to be lockdowns on March 15th, 2020. So on because of my physics background, I knew that was not going to work. Yeah. On March 17th, yeah. on March 17th, I wrote Tucker, Sean Hannity, Anderson Cooper and Chris Cuomo because I wanted to touch both sides of the political spectrum, you know? Yeah. And, and I said, look, give me three minutes in your office. You don't have to put me on TV, but we're getting ready to go into something that's going to cause death and destruction on a biblical scale. Those are the words I used. And I never heard from any of the four of them. Because I could have stopped right there. I could have stopped the whole thing right there. If people had listened to me, these lockdowns are not going to help. And they're going to cause problems like you wouldn't believe when you take away a woman's job and the health insurance that goes with it. And she feels a breast lump two months later. She is not going to spend $200 to go to a surgeon to have it worked up. And if it, she needs radiology, it goes into the thousands immediately. Y'all know that. Mm -hmm. She's going to spend the $200 on her children's dinner on their mm -hmm. food. You know, they lost their job. So they've got to spend their savings on feeding their children. She's not going to go to the doctor. So that's why one of the reasons why we're getting so many deaths now is all these women that had breast lumps that should have been biopsied two years ago. They're now metastatic and people mm -hmm. are dying from it now. I mean, it was disgraceful what they did. It was criminal to make, take away people's health insurance like that. And that's, that's exactly what they did. Plus, they put a moratorium on all but emergency surgery. Yes. So we weren't even yes, allowed exactly. to, bi to um, biopsy breasts and things like that. Yeah, it wasn't Remember important. That, Irene? Yeah, but of course, it didn't matter to the hospitals because the amount of money that they were getting for the COVID diagnosis didn't really bother them that they weren't doing elective surgeries because I have, you know... A lot of information. Up for it. The fact that financially they didn't suffer because of the payments that were going for the COVID diagnosis. So that's another crony capitalistic government private business uh, mm -hmm. event that really caused a lot of problems. But also, read we have to remember the concept of vaccinating or mRNA vaccines for respiratory viruses is questionable science at best because <clears throat> the idea that these viruses mutate. And to think that you would actually inject mRNA to make said spike protein when we knew that natural immunity was going to be 27 times more protective. And going back to the fact that anybody recommending to vaccinate someone who already had the disease is absolutely nonsense. No science there whatsoever. So all of those things were upside down nonsense. 
Absolutely. Total nonsense. There's a list in my book. Remember, there, there are all kinds of lists in there, not just mm -hmm. people. There's people, places, and things. And under one of the things lists, I have reasons you can be sure there was planning beforehand. Okay. okay. And the number one on that list was their choosing. All four drug companies that made vaccines chose the spike protein. The spike protein was the worst possible antigen you could choose for a vaccine. Number one, it changes too often, like you just said. You want a vaccine that does use, that uses an antigen that doesn't change very often. They chose the one that changes the most. Number two, the structure was similar to things that are already in the body. So you're going to get autoimmune diseases from it. Mm -hmm. Number That's three, right. you need an antigen that's not toxic. And the spike protein is terribly toxic. We prove that now. So they chose the worst possible. And so if the chances are one in a hundred that one of those vaccine companies would do that out of sheer stupidity, you know what the chances are that all four of them did it without collusion? Hmm. It's one over a hundred times one over a hundred times one over a hundred times one over a hundred, which is one over 10 to the eighth, which is one over a hundred million. That's what the odds are that that would happen out of stupidity. So clearly they got together wow. and decided to use the spike protein for the vaccine, which was the worst possible one. And when I was doing a video explaining people how the, how the vaccine was going to work, and I said, boy, I wonder why they chose the spike protein. I was kind of thinking out loud when I'm doing my video. And then I kind of mumbled to the side. Maybe they wanted to sell more vaccines because they knew it was going to change often and not work. And that's why they did it. So they could sell more vaccines. The thing was so criminal. It was incredible. Mm. They just took people's lives and they abused people and people died because of it. And they all ought to go to prison, I think. Well, I agree. And, you know, we have to remember that how we got here. Remember, in 1986, there was a law that passed that removed all product liability from vaccine makers, yes, established right. the healthcare, healthcare compensation fund and the vaccine event event vaccine adverse event reporting system. And that law also required that HSS report back to Congress every two years for the safety of the current vaccine schedule. So that's one major issue that needs to be completely repealed. I agree hundred percent. The second part of that is they passed the PrEP Act right before the COVID vaccine and biologic was launched. And that protected the vaccine makers and it protected any healthcare person that administered the vaccine. So again, we removed product liability and that is another issue related to lack of competition because they don't answer to market forces because they're not responsible for the consequences of the safety and efficacy because they have no liability. Now, now you're the talking other about part the, you're, Irene, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to make it clear for the viewers. You're talking about the, the vaccine companies, the manufacturers have blanket immunity. I understand that. What about a doctor's office where the doctor injected you? Does he have immunity too? They passed the PrEP Act right before the launch of COVID, and that removed all liability from anyone administering the vaccine. Okay, now that here's was the, the double whammy. But here's so the question Are they still required to give you informed consent, though? So, this is, I talked to a whole bunch of lawyers about this because. If you say it on the surface, informed consent is standard of care. 
informed consent necessitates full disclosure of all risks of any procedure. In the preclinical trials, myocarditis and heart attacks and strokes were already known. They know yeah. that they knew this before they launched it. Sure. Correct? Yes, they did. Mm -hmm. So the doctors who didn't do their due diligence and pharmacists who didn't do their due diligence, and they are pursuing this in Australia, actually, did not provide informed consent. And that information was available, right? Yeah, sure. But the PrEP Act, if you read it, it doesn't seem to be very clear if they're completely protected because it does here. say that if the pharmaceutical companies hid safety data or if it was, you know, that kind of line of thinking that the PrEP Act might actually allow for us to pursue those who didn't provide informed consent. Absolutely. Which is standard now, of care. See, so that I mean, is something. Yeah. I mean, you're a doctor. You can't go inject somebody and not tell them what you're giving them and what the side effects are. Nothing protects you from something like that. God almighty. I mean, mm -hmm. if I did surgery on somebody <laughs> and didn't tell them what the potential side effects are, they'd cut off my arms at the shoulders and I deserve it. I mean, come on, that would be the end of me, right? Informed <laughs> wow. consent. I mean, it's incredible. These people are just injecting this thing and not telling the parents what could happen to their kids and they get myocarditis and drop dead on the basketball court over it. Yeah. Well, those people are very liable. I don't care what. Well, that's that brings up another question, though, because we're talking about employers and schools that are mandating this thing. So if you want uh, to keep your job and be able to feed your kids, you have to take this risk. Yeah. Now, Jesse, that's a very good point, because I was going to bring that up when I was listening to Irene. But then we started talking about informed consent, which is another bad problem that was violated. But listen, when you put people's Again, you put their livelihood on the line. You're basically forcing them to do it. Yep. And I think any employer that forced employees to get this thing is liable. Exactly. They I agree. They really are. They're not covered by blanket immunity. They don't have anything to do with the, the law that protects the um, vaccine manufacturers. If I was a patient who had been forced to do this and someone or anyone in my family or whatever and I got sick from it. I, that's the first place I'd go with a lawsuit is to mm -hmm. the employers that forced me to get it. Yep. I wouldn't try to sue the um, vaccine manufacturers. I do think they got a, the scam of the century when they got Reagan or whoever was to sign that thing. They gave Reagan. them blanket immunity, but the employers don't have any immunity. They can't go around forcing people to do something like this. I agree. I think they should be pursued. And I think doctors and, and pharmacists who did medical procedures without providing informed consent. And I have told multiple lawyers in my state that I will testify for free. Yeah. And you want to know something so, else? Put those people in front of a jury. I don't care what kind of little understanding they have. You put them in front of a jury and you mm -hmm. tell them that this person never said, told me one thing about what could happen to my child if I took this injection and now my child's paralyzed or as, you know, Guillain-Barre syndrome or something, they're going to lose the thing and get, get wiped out. I'm telling you, that's, that's what needs to be done now. So we're finished talking about what they did. We know they all did horrible things. These people need to be prosecuted. Right. And you have to understand people direct a lot of the anger towards the pharmaceutical industry. And I do agree with that. Absolutely. But they need to direct their anger towards 
the politician, the governmental agencies, the businesses, the doctors and the pharmacies who forced or coerced without doing their due diligence. They did not read the data. The information was available and they did not provide informed consent. And the stuff about the coercion as it relates to businesses Mm -hmm. and hospital systems and things like that is that no medical procedure should be tied to your ability to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is your ability to provide for your family. So there's so many violations, and that goes into violations of the Helsinki Code of Ethics, the Belmont Report, and the Nuremberg Code, right? And remember, the reason why we have this experimental use authorization was because they made hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and ivermectin something that theoretically was a problem when we all know that there's thousands of studies that hydroxychloroquine and zinc and ivermectin was safe and effective. And that was really early on, but you cannot get emergency use authorization if you have appropriate medications. And then on top of that, what they did is they made the idea of off-label some horrible thing when we all know that doctors use off-label medications all the time. For God's Mm -hmm. sakes, aspirin is an off-label medication. So that whole (laughs) narrative is absolutely absurd, which led us to the place where we are today. I mean, look at, look at, we we could make a laundry list of the things that Fauci did. I mean, he was involved in every step of it, obviously. Mm -hmm. The guy sitting there, and the FDA puts out an ad that says, you know, you're not a cow, you're not a horse. Come on, people. When it's talking about oh, using God. ivermectin as a as a horse pace thing, even mm-hmm. they did it. This is the Food and Drug Administration. I'll tell you. And then they do things like approving it for children based on no evidence whatsoever. I looked at the evidence they had when they approved it for children the first time, you know. And then they end mm-hmm. up approving the stupid bivalent thing with uh, based on eight mice. I mean, what are they doing? It is so obviously bad science. I mean, I think all the people on those committees on of the FDA should be uh, liable. Yes, I agree. You know, I think- voted off on something based on the, the effect on eight mice. I mean, this is a, so absurd. It's almost laughable. Y'all remember this, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and the data for the child for the children, they kept having to push it further out with more and more um, time and doses to see if it worked or not. And finally, they mm-hmm. base it on like five, five um, people in the trial or something. I mean, it's ridiculous to approve it for children. They couldn't get it. They couldn't get the data to come out in their favor. So they kept adding time to it. Remember that? Yeah, it's absolutely oh, absurd. God, it was incredible how it, it was. There was no justification for approving those things in children. Absolutely not. And 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 they they knew about the side effects of it too that they got from the trials because remember this is why they wanted to to not open the uh, data for seventy five years. Remember when the judge finally forced them to, and we saw page right. after page after page of complications. From yes. It? <clears throat> I mean, it was incredible what was going on against innocent people. Right. But that's the point, Reed, right? Our government's own monitoring system had red flags, vaccine adverse event reporting system. Well, they were with the fox, guarding the, chin, the fox guarding the hen house. Exactly. Because is supposed to step in and prevent that stuff from happening. And they were running the studies and doing it. So nobody could stop them. No, but listen, you know, the swine flu vaccine was pulled off the market in 1976 for 50 deaths. And 500 Guillain-Barre. As of March of 2022, there was over 1 million vaccine adverse event reporting 
system documenting adverse events, right? Okay, and now- we know only one to 10% of adverse events are even reported to the database, but that's because of the fact yeah. that most people don't report. And that's according to the Lazarus report that is produced by the CDC and all these entities. So that, that this- thing is so cumbersome. It's really hard to report. It takes a long time. Doctors yeah. don't have time to do it. That's the problem. But and the red you- flag. Now, go ahead. I was going to say, I if you were. Say- oh, go ahead, Jesse. Because we haven't let you talk enough. I just wanted to say about, <laughs> I'll say one thing quickly about 1976. Then I'll zip my mouth shut for a little while. Because I have so much to say about every one of these topics. But the, the beginning of my book, the preface is about the 1976 swine flu epidemic, mm. which wasn't an epidemic at all. Did you know that they forced the vaccine on people without a single confirmed case in the world? Yes. During the nine months it took them to get the vaccine ready. Yes. They they forced it on people. You ought to, I wish you guys had read my book. You'd be amazed at how these things keep coming up. If we don't prosecute the people this time, it's going to come up again. And that was the point of the preface. I said, I'm going to cut to the chase. If we don't stop this right now and start prosecuting people, this is going to come up again and again. And then I explained what happened in in 1976. And for those listeners that don't know what we're talking about, there was an outbreak, quote unquote, at Fort Dix in New Jersey. And Mm. one soldier was put on a forced march and he collapsed and he survived with mouth to mouth resuscitation by his sergeant. But he died a couple days later in the barracks. So they sent, there was a bunch of people that were in the platoon that had this flu-like illness and they sent their samples and they all come back, came back as this flu strain that year, except five and including the, the guy that died. And they sent those to the CDC because they couldn't figure out what it was. Well, the CDC said they were H1N1 swine flu, influenza A. So they, the CDC director started this crazy vaccine push, which everyone agreed with, including President Ford. And it turns out the entire time they were developing the vaccine, not a single case of swine flu was confirmed in the entire world. So the CDC obviously made a mistake. So anyway, what ends up happening is they start the vaccine rollout. And like Irene just said, 50 people died and 500 people got Guillain-Barre syndrome. And they finally withdrew it in December. They started it in October. Three people died of a heart attack from the same clinic in Pittsburgh, believe it or not, from this thing. It was so bad, the the vaccine. Mm. And Sabin and all these guys, you know, that were involved in the polio vaccine, you know, Sabin and Saul. Yeah. Saban said, why don't we put this thing on the on ice to see if we're really going to need it? And he got overruled. He wrote it as an op-ed in the New York Times. I mean, wow. good Lord. People get abused by these things all the time. His article was called Washington and the Flu, meaning they, they use the flu to exploit people all the time and suck money from them. Which well, is exactly what happened we... this time. And if we don't do something about it, it's going to happen again. That's what the whole preface of my book. Go ahead and I'll, I'll be quiet and listen for a while. Well, you guys, you guys were talking about the VAERS reporting system. And I was just thinking, you know, uh, I, ha- I haven't worked in the hospital in a long while. I, you can't pay me enough money to do that again. But <laughs> I've had plenty of uh, co- like past coworkers and uh, uh, friends of mine that have worked in hospitals and reported back to me. I have one in particular. She's a coworker of mine now, but she worked on the stroke floor 
here mm-hmm. in town um, at the, the, um, the stroke hospital for the entire city, basically. And um, she was saying that she had never seen so many young people coming in with strokes before yeah. this vaccine mm. rolled out. And yeah. she mentioned how they, at first they tried to report on bears, a lot of these strokes, but they were told by administration to not do that. And, and then it got to a point where if they were, if they pushed it, they would be written up and then they might be put on leave without pay, just basically bullying them into just not opening their mouths about this. Sure. Can I tell you something, Jesse? I need Mm -hmm. you to tell them that the law 1986 law that removed product liability mandates pharmaceutical industries and healthcare workers to report to VAERS. So they are in violation of that law Mm -hmm. and they need to tell administration that and it needs to be reported. That is such a secondary problem, which also leads to delay in diagnosis and delaying care Mm -hmm. for the people, especially acute autoimmune post-vaccination myocarditis and acute Guillain-Barre or transverse myelitis, there are treatment options available. There's multiple clinical trials and previous research that there's IV IgG treatment, meaning we need to people to get the the diagnosis out there because we're missing a window to actually treat and help these people. But the other thing, Reed, I wanted to talk to you about, remember the previous pandemics of the flu, we didn't always vaccinate every year for the flu. That was brought to us by another pandemic. And The issue is it's questionable whether or not vaccination for respiratory viruses at all is sound science because they absolutely not. It completely needs to be stopped. The mRNA vaccines and biologics, the biologics and vaccines all for respiratory viruses, including COVID, need to be immediately halted because the safety and efficacy is incredibly questionable. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if have y'all seen any of my videos that I made during the year. I made about 50 videos and about um, 20 of them got taken down by YouTube because they were they're all 100 percent correct, by the way. Hate to brag, but I didn't make any mistakes in any of them. So if you go, I mean, if you go watch Stop the SARS 2 Stupidity, please. <laughs> I mean, that says it, doesn't it? It's a four hour video that covers everything up to that point. And. I just wanted to say that um, the videos that I made that that pertain to the question you just asked, I made them right before the vaccine came out. And I said, I don't think these vaccines are going to work. And let me tell you why. This is in December, on December 5th, I think. So it was way before the vaccines rollout even occurred. I said, you know, when you're injecting something into the arm, you are going to make antibodies to it, but they're going to be in the circulation. They're not going to block something that you're breathing in. It's an aerosol. So this thing isn't going to work very well. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. So, I mean, Jesus, um, it's going to, it's really a syringe full of side effects is what I called it because it's not going to work. And then okay. um, it took me, just under a month to prove mathematically that the vaccines were not blocking transmission. Now the general medical community didn't get it until April, but I got it on January 15th. And at first, see if you, well, anyway, (laughs) at first people said, there's just no way you could have figured it out that fast. I'm talking about 
epidemiologists that are that were fighting to figure it out first because they wanted to be the first to figure out whether it was trans blocking transmission or not they told me no you could not have figured it out that first i mean that fast but then when i showed them how i did it they went oh my god you're right they clearly weren't blocking transmission from the get-go and um Wow, Reed, that was amazing. Did not block transmission. It had no efficacy. It was dangerous as hell from the beginning. Remember Hank Aaron and these these guys were taking it and keeling over a month, uh, three weeks later. Yeah, yeah. From, from a stroke or something. Mm-hmm. And they called it natural causes. But remember, <laughs> natural causes is the biggest misnomer in medicine. It just means it's internal. It means you didn't get shot or didn't die from a car wreck. That's yeah. what natural causes means. I mean, Mm. yeah, you know, they were dying of strokes and heart attacks from the very beginning. Remember that when the vaccine rolled out and that nurse collapsed and Hank Aaron died? I'm curious. I'm wanting to know what happened to that nurse. Yeah, I'd like to know too. I haven't heard from her since then. I don't know what happened. She was in Tennessee. I'm from Tennessee. So I'm just real curious. I know the hospital. You remember it. They got a pretty nurse to get out there and she went right over and no one ever heard from her after that. I don't know. I don't know about that, but. I mean, it was clear that the thing was dangerous as hell from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, so Definitely. Um, something I wanted to like bring up, which is, I think, an obvious point, but it's like where we're at now, I think, which is like, you know, we, anybody paying attention and or, you know, questioning this for a long time, if not actually the very beginning, um, you know, we kind of already had our, our, you know, our eyes open to, this might not go well. Um, you know, there's plenty of reasons why it might not go well. And I think um, I'd love to tap into some of your like physics background, how yeah, like that's unique to this discussion that we've never really tapped into before um, okay, on, on our wanna, podcast. But so real quick, oh, go ahead. Sorry. real quick, like the problem now is that like, it's, it's a meme across the internet, but people are dying of coincidence. Like it's not even... Yeah like natural causes anymore it's like just you know oh uh climate change or um you know <laughs> yeah, did, you right. get, did, you, did you have a gas stove um it's like these crazy reasons <laughs> like so all these people are dying of coincidence and so it's like the problem with um so like i don't know and you got and you two um especially dr mav and and yourself um reed like you would be able to probably better contextualize this for Jesse and I and others but so like the folks that were willing to actually investigate the harm done on people who took those swine flu vaccines that got pulled back in the 70s like who were harmed and it it, like the, the dots were connected like everybody kind of realized it was this like versus today what we're dealing with where it's like everybody's everybody's being touched by these incidents like yeah there are people on, connected to all of us each of us i'm sure that we know people that are either dying or suffering from some mystery disease all of a sudden but it's like why did the dots get connected then and why are they so forcefully being avoided connected now yeah that's that's part of the scam i mean they yeah. were trying <laughs> to they it were is. trying to call everything a covid death back when based on the PCR test that stays positive three months after you've recovered from the disease. Mm-hmm. So that, that translates into deaths too. Like I showed you the graph, so, the bar graph a minute ago. Right. But I the think PCR that... test is not oh, go, go ahead. You want to say something, Irene? No, no, go ahead. I think go down. This. Just, yeah. Oh, go ahead. 
I knew this would happen <laughs> where we do this. But anyway, <laughs> listen, um, I was going to say that the PCR test is where it all started. After, the, after we corrected him on the infection fatality rate, the PCR test is a test that looks for RNA fragments, which of course get converted to DNA because the test is run by DNA. But it looks for RNA in your nasopharynx. It's not looking for live virus. And mm -hmm. I'm so, I got so sick of seeing doctors <sighs> come on and say, when the PCR test is positive, it says you have active virus. It does not tell you that. It's mm. looking for RNA fragments. It's like going into a museum and seeing a revolutionary war musket and saying, oh my God, we're in the middle of the revolutionary war now <laughs> because they see a musket hanging on the wall. The PCR yeah, <laughs> test just tells you that the person has RNA from the virus still in their nasopharynx, but that stays in there months after you've recovered. So people were going into the hospital, getting their throat, their nasopharynx swabbed, it was coming up as a positive PCR test because they had it three months ago and didn't even know they had it. Mm -hmm. And then they die of God knows what in the hospital and they called it a COVID death. And they were calling them new COVID cases on CNN. I can tell you right now, they, they wrote the word new COVID cases above the graph every day. So that was incredibly misleading. When I did the calculations, very conservatively, I might add, and I argued with Jay about this a little bit, Dr. Bhattacharya. I showed him that the cases were exaggerated by about seven times in the United States. Believe it or not, they were. So when we reached a million deaths, we'd really only had about 140,000 deaths in the U.S. It's absolutely true. I'd stake my life on it. I'd debate anybody on it. By the well, way. Of course. Huh? You of course, they don't the, use it to diagnose clinical disease. They use PCR for Clostridium difficile, but you have to have symptoms. The yeah. idea of testing people when they have no symptoms doesn't make sense. Does the sensitivity and specificity? It makes no sense. All that test, yes. you know, these 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 limited intelligence doctors that were on TV that were experts for CNN saying we need to do more testing and tracing. We're completely wrong. Mm. You don't do contact tracing for a respiratory virus more than about a week after the thing has been out because mm -hmm. the thing lingers in the air for days sometimes. So how do you know who was in the aisle at the supermarket yesterday that you got the COVID from? You know, there's no way to trace it, right? Could have been one of thousands and thousands of people that were in the grocery store the day before. Aerosols well, thing... will stay in the air for days, okay? Well, the Not thing just is... seconds. The thing is, if this was a highly contagious, deadly disease, while we were wearing masks that served no purpose, we would really all be dead because, you know, it, mm -hmm. it really is just not the case. But I wanted to ask. Masks don't do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Maddie, I wanted to answer your question. The reason why it's different now, COVID mania is a symptom of a more broader problem with the current state of affairs in the United it's States true. of America as it relates to coercive monopolistic government agencies controlling our day-to-day -day lives and controlling the narrative. And I Reed, you wanted to talk about, you know, we want people to pay for the crimes against humanity. Sure, of course. But do. we want to have work groups. You, hopefully, because you're brilliant. I'm you're brilliant times thousands more brilliant than I am. And we want to work on 
how we're going to move forward and pass this so that this doesn't happen again. And so the topics that right are really- now, Let me stop you right there without being rude, because we are having a, a wild discussion here. I'll <laughs> tell you right now how you can stop this from happening again. The only way, and that is to prosecute the people that did it this time, so that people think twice about doing it next time. That's no, the I, only way you'll stop it. I agree. But also, we need to work on more global concepts like- Mm -hmm. decentralization of public health and a complete decentralization of the medical research industry mm -hmm. as it relates yeah. to the revolving door of pharmaceutical money infiltrating oh. the pharmaceutical driven grant money that drives mm -hmm. our research that makes people afraid to speak out and also the revolving door between the leaders of certain pharmaceutical agencies and governmental agencies. So decentralization of medical research, decentralization of public health entities, so that and removal of that law HB uh, 5546 that removes product liability, repealing the PREP Act, and working towards where we have real competition amongst all the healthcare sectors and entities, and the pharmaceutical industry that makes vaccines doesn't have the liability protection. And so we remove crony capitalism that's so pervasive amongst the governmental agencies and mm -hmm. the healthcare sectors. Because remember, informed consent is really one of the most important freedoms that we have as it relates to healthcare. And also it's part of the competitive process because you can choose who you allow to work on you and you can choose what products you want to consume or getting injected into you. Now, and so, Irene, yeah. Here's, let me just jump in again. God. <laughs> you bring up so many good ideas. I got to jump in a little. No, it's great. This revolving door <laughs> problem is true in every industry. That's true. You've got Scott Gottlieb, who is the, the head of the, um, he was the commissioner of the FDA is now on the board of Pfizer. Mm -hmm. He said two plus two equals five so many times during this. I wanted to reach through the computer screen and strangle him. Mm -hmm. You've got you've got the revolving door in the financial industry. These Goldman Sachs mm -hmm. guys yep. become Black the Treasury Rock. Secretary, like Hank Paulson. Do you remember him from the yeah. crash in 2008? Yep. He was mm -hmm. a president of Goldman Sachs before he became the Treasury Secretary. Okay. You also have it in the in the Food and Drug Administration that covers meat, like in the um, the guys that work for the cattle industry end up being in the government and back and forth there too. So this revolving door thing is in every industry, and it's really obvious in medicine now that we're all alert to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if Rochelle Walensky ends up working for Pfizer in two years or something. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a matter of time. Now, but that has to stop. Let me let me let me bring up something that that um, you guys probably know about. I hope you do. Do you know who Steve Kirsch is? Yes. All right. Yes. Do you guys know Maddie and Jesse? Do you all know who Steve Kirsch is? He was in my class at MIT. Oh, wow. OK, yeah. The coincidence. Wow. We didn't know yeah, each other. I was physics. Wow. He was computer science and electrical engineering. But, you know, Steve is a very accomplished person. He's the one mm -hmm. that invented. Remember when you used to have a little ball that rolled around under your mouse? Uh -huh. yeah. the computer mouse and now you have a little light that's under there yep yeah he invented that wow by himself yeah that's that's a pretty good thing to invent it's on every computer in the world now 
Mm-hmm. Remember a, a company called InfoSeek? It was a search engine at the very beginning of the internet, InfoSeek. Do you remember it? Probably it was a huge thing. It was bought by Disney. <laughs> he he Ooh. he invented he started that too. Wow. And he started about 15 huge companies. I'm not kidding. You'd you'd recognize some of them. But I mean, having the the laser mouse invented by you and you alone. I think he I think someone else co-invented it from in a different location, but he got credit for it. So he has been real active on this as far as the danger of the vaccines. He just put out a video. The reason I thought of his name was he just put out a video about these. It was a, it was a satire of the something Institute of coincident, Mm. coincidentality (laughs) or something like that, where it's, it's, it shows all these coincidences that the doctors just sort of go like, you know, turn their head when they see it. It's funny, but it's it's true. They're saying all these things are happening by coincidence when there's a very good cause and effect that's being established now about these 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 young athletes keeling over on the soccer pitch or the basketball court. The numbers are staggering. Have you have you seen how that's increased in the last two years or the last? Absolutely. All right. Now, and the problem is, is that we knew that it was going to happen because it was in the data before the launch. It of was in the, the data. MRNA. That's why they wanted to hide it for 75 mm-hmm. years. Right. And, and then they had delay in diagnosis and delay in treatment because they're not diagnosing these kids with post-vaccination myocarditis. And then mm-hmm. they're subsequently dropping dead when they could have had treatment initially and being, you know, pre-screened. Right. So we're calling on the NFL, some friends of mine to pre-screen these athletes yeah. so that they don't drop dead. Well, good. I mean, you know, there, there's th- th- this. If you'd seen my book yet, and I hope you guys will see it, the dedication of the it. book. <laughs> huh? Yeah, definitely just the, ordered it. <laughs> the yeah. dedication to my in my book is is to the look at the dedication there, and you'll see a young man there. It's right in the front flap. Mm. You guys were talking about this hitting home and and being close to people who have noticed it. I personally know I'm a doctor, so I'm going to see a little more of this than most people, but my business partner's son Mm. is in his thirties. And he, after he got his booster shot, he got a, had to have a quintuple bypass surgery and he's not able to move on the left side of his body. Now he had a saddle thrombus of his middle cerebral artery and he can't talk and he can't move. Terrible. But Reed, they're still I've had two, biologics now. We have got to get them to stop. No, no, I know. I agree. You're preaching to the choir on that. We need to stop this. It needs to stop. And the people that did this need to be prosecuted. That's how it's going to stop for the future. I know for one thing that right now there's there already has been a nursing shortage. But right now, the nursing shortage is even worse because there's so many nurses who don't want to go back. Yeah. And uh, a lot of nurses that were doing um, travel nursing and making five times more than they would make, you know, at a regular hospital, and they don't want to go back to working at a regular field anymore. They stay travel nursing, which is not right. going to, it's not going to, that's just not going to maintain itself. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the bottom line is though. I don't blame them though. I don't either. I think, I think that actually us nurses have a lot of leverage because a lot we're needed really bad. Yeah. So if we refuse to vaccinate and we refuse to get vaccinated, we have a lot of leverage there. If you want us to work, then we'll work, but we do it on our terms. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But you know, the problem is I agree agree with all of that, but there's a CMS mandate 
which is goes back to quintessential government interference where yeah. healthcare workers um yeah. and have to be vaccinated in order for the hospitals to get the CMS payment and they'll lose mm -hmm. their participation. So for example, I'm medically exempt, did not get the vaccine, work at hospitals and surgical centers, and I have the COVID test every Monday. I've been doing it for two years. Mm. Well, so, let, me, let me tell you how illogical all of it is anyway. It's absurd. To tell a nurse that she has to get the vaccine, exactly who are you protecting by forcing her to get a vaccine? Are you protecting the patients that she treats? That's That must be their logic behind it. But you're not protecting the patients that, that she You're not. The vaccines don't even block transmission. So how and can now possibly, they, they make you work sick? How can they possibly make an argument like that? That a nurse has to be vaccinated to protect the people in the hospital? Because that's not the argument. This has nothing what's to the do argument? with science or health. No, this has nothing to do with health or science. It's no, but nothing. what's the argument that they that they propose? that they advance to make nurses get the vaccine. It's got to be to protect people in the hospital. That's what they we say. We already know it doesn't do that. But they make nurses work sick now. So, you know, it doesn't matter because we're so short no, no, everywhere. We're not talking about the nurses being sick. We're talking about why are they forcing the nurses to get the vaccine? The only reasonable, logical answer would be we don't want the nurses to pass it on to the patients. But it doesn't block yeah. transmission. Exactly. Of course not. You understand? So why would they, how could they force you to get something that doesn't block transmission if they're trying to protect the public? Who are they? So the, the hospital administrators. They're doing it because if they don't have a certain percentage of vaccinated healthcare workers, they will lose their CMS participation. They will lose money. The mandate okay. for CMS they for lose money is, is the answer. Effect. They get paid yeah. for every nurse yeah. that gets vaccinated. Did you know yeah. that? that they do. They get paid for every nurse that gets vaccinated. They get paid for every COVID diagnosis on people that come through the right. ER. They get mm -hmm. paid for every death that's COVID. They get paid for everyone that's intubated that had COVID. You know about this, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. but specifically. So that, the reason they're trying to get the nurses to be vaccinated is they get paid money by the federal government but to, read the to vaccinate the nurses. But the specific law is a CMS mandate in order for them to maintain the participation they have to have a certain percentage of vaccinated workers and the people that have religious or medical exemptions, they have to report the COVID testing back to CMS or they'll lose their participation. And most of them are 50% CMS. Now, why does it's, CMS it's have that I'm mandate? Is, it's a government thing. It's not a logical right. thing. Of right. course not. No, we agree. And I think <laughs> it, has, it depends on the state that you're in as well, because I know in the state of Tennessee, our governor has basically flipped the CMS mandate, yeah. you know, off and said, we're not doing that. Good. Okay. What about Florida? I know DeSantis is on the front yeah. of this too. I think they did as well. Cause where I'm not vaccinated, I have refused to get vaccinated and I will not vaccinate. I mean, our, our facility doesn't do that vaccine, but I will, if it ever comes to that, I will refuse to vaccinate people with right. that. Absolutely. It is my understanding that this is a federal vaccine mandate for hospitals and surgical centers that's still in effect. And it makes no sense. Reed, we're agreeing. Yeah. I'm just saying that this is reality. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, I know, but it's, it's, it's it, whenever there's a problem with the logic of it, they're going to have a hard time winning an argument mm -hmm. because they have well, to I give you an actual reason why the law is the way it is. And and sometimes they can't. And that's when the laws get changed because the public won't put up with it if it's not logical. 
Well, do you know why they have flu vaccine mandates for healthcare workers? Because that's tied to quality measurement payments. So hospitals mandate mm. flu vaccines for their healthcare workers because they get quality measure bonus payments at the end of mm. the year, depending upon inpatient vaccination status and healthcare workers. And that's where this COVID is going, which goes back to quality measurement payments tied into pediatric office schedules for vaccinations, which makes people not really think too much about how bad it is. I'll tell you right. one thing, though, if a couple if too, a couple too many surgeons don't want to get the vaccine and stop using that hospital, they'll change their law real fast because we won't well, be doing surgery in their hospitals anymore. And it's it's, it's going to take healthcare hospital. workers Talking like, about costing them money. My okay. Lord, if the surgeons mm -hmm. leave the hospital, that's the end of it. Yeah, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take like a unified front of healthcare yeah. workers refusing to say we're this. not going to do it. And because the all, at the end of the day, it, the, the revenue loss will be so great, they'll have to let the surgeons do it without being vaccinated. But we they all took an to. oath to do no harm. And that's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. And if yeah. we're truly healthcare workers, and that was the reason why we did this, then, I mean, we're upholding our oath that we took. So that's how I see it. You know, that's yeah, why I want to do that, it. That applies to the patient doing no harm. Yes. They're, they're, they're harming their nurses by making them do this. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, and they, they denied religious and medical exemptions. There's some hospitals that denied oh, it over. Have you heard about the lawsuit between, um, I think her name is Comey Barrett, the doctor from Houston. She's suing the Houston Methodist Hospital. She's going to win that case, you know. She should. The, the CEO yeah. came on and said, every one of our doctors has to be um, vaccinated to protect our patients. And of course, he's dead wrong. It doesn't protect anybody when no. someone gets vaccinated. Good yes. Lord, man. But the thing that drives them is the fact that they want the money that they get related to. Yeah, their they CBS want the money. The, the hospital and, wants the money. Yeah. That's but what remember, but, but Reed, remember when they closed a lot of the ORs and general surgeons couldn't do their bread and butter cases. The yeah. hospital still had a major profit because of the COVID money. They didn't Hospitals give a made out like banana. They made That's out right. like bandits during the COVID. But the money made them not stand up for what is right. It contaminated mm -hmm. the whole process. Yeah. And then they, the removable, right. They, the, the powers that be needed the hospitals to be in on this. So they gave them so the they, money. So they... They corrupted them with money and they made right. they made it OK for them to lie about um, COVID diagnoses and the PCR tests and calling it a new case and a death due to COVID. All that was total nonsense. No science whatsoever related to any of this, because this has nothing to do with health, wellness and disease. This That's last right. two years has nothing to do with health, wellness. Absolutely disease, nothing. To do. Absolutely nothing. That's right. So I think we're also at a point where it's like, you know, we're way, we're way past actually, um, where I think a, a huge band of healthcare workers, you know, no matter the specialty or subgroup or whatever, I think, unfortunately, most people caved or they yeah. went along with it. Most people in that, in the field have been vaccinated. I think like what matters Next, I guess, is that where is everybody's line in the sand? Um, because not only are people required to be vaccinated, which, you know, is either the one Johnson and Johnson shot or the two other other um, 
evil pharma company uh, shots. But so from then, it's like you're mandated boosters as well. And so it's like, how many shots are people going to yeah. have to take? And so how many shots is too many shots for certain people who didn't want the first one or didn't want the first two? So it's like, we're, we're going to have to be coming on to a point soon, I think, where people are because of, you know, their own health or seeing um, like being unable to deny what's happening around them and connecting the dots again, force almost forcefully. Um, it's like the new line in the sand is just going to be how many shots is too many shots. And can we stop wherever we are at this point? Have you all seen the Cleveland clinic study that just came out? The more shots no. you get, the more likely you are to get um, COVID. Have you all seen that? Is it new? It came out like a week. The the preprint came out about three weeks ago and I put it in Twitter. And then about a week ago, the the actual thing came out because it got approved by the peer review. And the more doses of COVID vaccine you've gotten, the more likely you are to get COVID. Mm. It should be just the opposite, of course. Mm -hmm. It's a huge study. It's major importance. You know, it's just another one that, that reiterates the problem. Absolutely. Now, do you all want to learn a little physics about this? It may be something you haven't heard before and your viewers might not have heard. Yeah, I do want to hear sure. this. All right. Yeah. Now, you know, the um, the virus is 100 nanometers in diameter, right? So how tiny is that? That's that's 10 to the minus seven meters. It's so small. Let me tell you, it's so <laughs> small that it's truly invisible. Now, I'm not talking about sort of a hocus pocus pocus definition of invisible. I'm talking about something that is so small that it doesn't matter how much you magnify a light microscope, you cannot see it. Wow. Think about that. You can turn the magnification up to infinity and you won't be able to see it. And people say, wait a minute, how come you wouldn't be able to see it? Can't you just keep magnifying it up until you can see it? And the answer is no, because the photons that are part of the visible spectrum go from 400 nanometers to 700 nanometers. Okay. From violet to red, that only is 400 to 700 nanometers, the visible region of the electromagnetic spectrum. Yeah. Now the electromagnetic spectrum is interesting in in and of itself. Let me just tell you what that is first. If you don't happen to know, Go ahead. did you know that radio waves, you know, that run your transistor radio, and x-rays that when you x-ray someone's chest, gamma rays, the, the, the um, radiation that heats your food in a microwave oven, they're all, ex- and, and light rays, you know, visible light, they're all exactly the same thing. They're alternating B and E fields, okay, magnetic and electric fields. Now, I won't go into any detail on it, I promise. <laughs> Just to know that they're all the same thing is kind of amazing, isn't it? The visible light that we see is the same thing as the stuff that heats your food in a microwave oven, except that the wavelength is different, okay? That is. So trying to see a virus that's 100 nanometers in diameter is impossible if the visible spectrum goes from 400 to 700 nanometers, okay? You can't see that virus any more than you can see x-rays when you get a chest x-ray at the hospital. I've got a quick question. Yeah. Comparatively... Is that normal for viruses to be that small or is that sort of like unique in this situation? They they tend to be so small that, and you may say, wait a minute, I've seen pictures of viruses before. I've seen the coronavirus. I see all the little spikes. (laughs) 
but that's an <laughs> electron that's an electron micrograph you're looking at okay the wavelength the de broglie wavelength of an electron is one nanometer so you actually can see a picture that's you that uses electrons instead of light photons okay Okay. So all the pictures that you've seen, and they've been colorized too. They're green, they're blue, they're orange, whatever. They made into plush cell, toys. <laughs> they've been colorized. So it's mm -hmm. easier to see, but there's no color. And even on an electron micrograph that you normally see that hasn't been colorized, it looks kind of gray, right? It's different shades of gray. Mm -hmm. That's just because they happen to choose gray depending on how many electrons mm -hmm. are hitting the transducer when they bounce off of the virus. Okay. Think of it this way. If you had a house key, a regular house key, and you wanted to get a decent picture of it by bouncing particles off of it, you wouldn't get a very good picture if you bounce beach balls off of it, right? You could keep bouncing right. beach balls off of a house key and you never really get to know what the little shape of the key looks like, correct? Because uh -huh. the beach yep. balls are too big. But if you could bounce little BBs off of it, you, you, you know, some would bounce off in different directions. You understand? And you'd get a little picture of the key. It might be a fuzzy picture, but you would get kind of a picture of it. You get the idea that there's teeth in it and everything. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem with this virus. You can't see a spike protein if the photo visible photons are bouncing off of it are seven times bigger than the whole virus and right. 70 times bigger than the spike. You understand what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So that, that's a problem. That added to the fear of this whole thing because people literally could not see this thing. Imagine if it was something that glowed faint yellow and you could drive in your community and see a house that was kind of glowing yellow at night. You'd know that someone mm. in there had the virus and it wouldn't scare you as much. You'd mm. know whether your own house, someone had it or not. And you could avoid people that had it because yellow puffs of yellow smoke would be coming out of their mouth all the time. You could avoid them on the street. <clears throat> but we couldn't do that. And that really scared everybody. Nobody knew who had it or who didn't. The issue with it, though, once we proved that the infection fatality rate was 0.1%, was that it was no different than the flu. Now, the problem was some of the people from this thing was so mild, some people didn't even have symptoms from it. Everybody that has the flu has symptoms. You can see them walking down the street. They're leaned over, their face looks red. <clears throat> They're coughing the whole time. I'm just getting over the flu myself. You could easily tell that I was sick for three or four days. But with this, you couldn't tell because it was so mild. People didn't even have symptoms from it, most people. Most of the old people that went into the hospital and died, died of being put on a ventilator. They died of neglect. They died of not, or yeah. not getting ordinary care, you know, in the ICU. Instead, they slapped ventilators on all of them and peeped them and destroyed their lungs. It was ridiculous what went on. This thing would have come and gone without anybody noticing. And there's proof of it in Italy. This thing was in Italy in November, we're finding out now. Italy didn't even know they had this thing there in November until the government got involved in March and everyone started getting really sick because they were putting everyone on ventilators and everything. I can prove, and I did in my book, that this thing was... I called when I talked to Dr. Bhattacharya about it, I called it the biggest, biggest nothing burger that ever hit the airwaves. This thing was all blown out of proportion for no reason, except to steal money from people and to control. Mm -hmm. And um, I can prove it. It's real easy. And I did it in the book. 
I hope people will get it and look at it. But anyway, that's a little bit of physics about the electromagnetic spectrum and how it relates to the size of the virus and the fact that it's completely invisible, mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. A lot of people would have thought, oh, can't you just magnify it up more and see it? No, you can't because the wrong <laughs> photons are bouncing off of it. Ultraviolet photons bounce off of it and we can't see those as human beings. Quick question. So the meme that says wearing a mask for coronavirus is the equivalent of having a chain link fence up for control of mosquitoes in your yard. Is that exaggerated or pretty close? No, that's, that's, that's under, that's um, diminished. It's not <laughs> exaggerated. The, the virus is a hundred nanometers in diameter and the holes in the side of a surgical mask are three inches wide. That's right. So imagine how a mosquito going through a chain link fence is like one in 30 difference in size. This mm. thing is one in 10 to the seventh. I mean, you know, there's no comparison. Right. It's so much, this was... It's like throwing a, it's like throwing a BB in the garage door for the vehicle assembly building <laughs> at NASA. It's something like that. Oh it goes gosh. right through it. Right. Right out the so side of the mask. So inconsequential. Oh my totally God. inconsequential, the, the mask. And that's why they don't work in any study. No. Right. Even the so Bangladesh the study that they made a big deal out of was full of holes. It was absurd. They were giving out colorful masks to different. Oh, boy. I could eat that. I could tear <laughs> that study apart. So one point I'd like to make is masks don't work. Right. No. And everybody was at Walmart because that was essential, but not my friend's Italian restaurant mm -hmm. wearing masks that don't work. Right. Mm -hmm. Really gives you a lot of information to the degree by which this is contagious and a degree by which this is deadly. Uh, yeah. Say that again. I, I didn't understand the punchline there. So everybody is out in Walmart. Yeah. which is essential, not wearing the small masks. restaurants. Wearing yeah. masks. Yeah, which don't do anything, except which actually don't do increase anything. your risk, though. Now, hang on. So, that's right, your because, because you hypoventilate. protected. And, right, you hypoventilate and you retain your carbon dioxide and you lean towards metabolic acidosis, which makes you more likely to feel unwell, get sick, et cetera. Yes. So yes, how but deadly... not just that. Now, hang on. It, it, it increases your risk because it makes you feel protected when people say it protects you. So you put right. yourself in more danger by being mm -hmm. close to someone who's sick. But not only that, how deadly and contagious was a disease during it was a pandemic? Contagious, but not deadly at all. Right. That's the best way to say it in two sentences. It was contagious, when we all but had, it was not deadly. When we all had no protection hanging out in Walmart. Mm -mm. It was it was not deadly though. Thank God. If this had been a if oh, this God. had been a disease with a one percent fatality rate or something horrible like that, it would have been a real problem. But it was one it was one in a thousand fatality rate, and that was with the Wuhan strain. Now it's much less now. You know the things are way weaker now than they were right at the beginning yeah. of twenty twenty. In 2020, oh it was one in a thousand. Now, God knows what is it, one in 10,000 or something? It's it's way less than the flu now. Right. Yeah. And the point about natural immunity, which is multivariant, long lasting and protective, sure. is natural right. immunity protects us because less people get sick and they get less sicker. Right. Yeah. And so you're not going to have people transmitting. So right. the idea that they interfered 
with a respiratory viral pandemic by vaccinating only to the spike protein when you know respiratory viruses mutate also makes no sense. Yeah, it made no sense and it made things worse. That's right. It was worse than doing nothing. They really? Yeah, it killed it really was. It was worse yeah. than doing nothing by, by, a, lo- by a huge long up. shot. Long and withholding hydroxychloroquine and zinc and ivermectin also okay, that's we, we we glanced over that that is one of the most evil things that was done that's just right. so they could keep their eua for the vaccines yeah. the, the studies are coming out now about ivermectin one of them came out about two weeks ago that showed once again that it uh, reduced risk of death by about 73 percent. did y'all see that study it just yes. came out that's another one in a long line of them. And that means mm-hmm. that if they say that a million people died from this, that means 700,000 of them would have been saved mm-hmm. if they had allowed wow. ivermectin to go out there. Now, think about that for a second. Now, not I only- can tell you right now that a million people did not die from this. But mm-hmm. according to their numbers, and wh- who have, whatever number you choose, 73% of them roughly would not have had to die if they had allowed ivermectin. And here's one thing that really burns me up, and that's why I put it number two on the list that I made. Susan Wojcicki and Sundar Pichai, who are the CEO of YouTube and Alphabet, which is Mm -hmm. the parent company of YouTube, Mm -hmm. took down a bunch of my videos. And when they do that, they send you a list of things you're not allowed to say, okay, on YouTube. And one of them is, you're not allowed to say that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are safe. Mm. And these are drugs that are used for uh, lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. People take them every day for 50 yep. years without complications. 50 years. We weren't allowed to say that they're safe for 20 days to treat COVID. I so mean, stupid. these people should be put in prison for doing this. They kept the general public from knowledge that they needed to save their lives and the lives of their children and their loved ones and everyone else. They, they right. took this information away from them. But the government videos down by people like me that were explaining this to people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so egregious. It's unbelievable. These people should be brought up on the carpet and thrown in prison over this. They, they contributed to the deaths of people by doing this. I agree. I absolutely agree. And, just, and it was related to guidelines. You know, there's that lawsuit with social media and, you know, all the Twitter files, right? You know, interference yeah. with free speech and governmental collusion. Yes. That they are interfering with free speech. That's a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the, the penalties for that are, but I'll tell you, the penalties for stochastic murder should be prison time. And they definitely engaged in it. Mm-hmm. Anybody that pushed lockdowns, pushed the vaccines, or or limited the public's ability to learn the facts, or blocked the use of things like ivermectin, which were clearly efficacious and caused the deaths of people, should go to prison, in my opinion. Absolutely. That'd be a lot of people. Be a it's going to be a lot of people, that. or it's going to be none. It's either going to be a yeah. lot of people, or it's going to be none. And if it's none, this is going to happen again, and people are going to laugh in everyone's face and do it again. And it's mm-hmm. going to be worse. But, but Reed, isn't that why you do it? That's why I do it. Sure, of course, that's why I'm doing it. 
I, I mean, think- I'm, I'm not going to be a coward about this. People's lives are at stake. I'm sorry. From the very beginning, when I knew something was afoot, I wrote Tucker Carlson and said, please let me, I'll do it at my own expense. From Phnom Penh, I will fly to to New York and explain this to you. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Tucker would have had me if he'd seen the letter, but he never got the letter. The screeners yep. didn't show it to him. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to tell you, um, the doctors that did eventually understand this, that kept their mouth shut, they're cowards in my book. They're I think putting a, lot, their, a lot of them did. Most of them did. Well, there's a lot of them that don't understand it even now. They'll still fight you over it, like Jonathan Reiner and Leanna Wynn and these people. Oh, Lord. Um, these people should be in prison, I think. I'm yeah, not kidding. I agree. They're sitting there on CNN every day lying about this. Dr. Reiner is saying, oh, we need 90% of the people to be vaccinated to get herd immunity. Actually, we we reached herd immunity for the Wuhan strain on January 11th, 2021. About eight months after the whole thing started, we had herd immunity without a single person fully vaccinated. I proved it myself. Again, I was the only person that that proved this. It's on one of these slides here. It is. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, you. people still don't understand it. I explained it to Dr. Bhattacharya and he goes, wow, Sanetra Gupta would agree with you on this. And, you know, she's a brilliant person, Dr. Sanetra Gupta. She was right on everything, too. But they ignored you. I haven't found a a mistake on. Oh, they took my video down. (laughs) So I put it up on Odyssey and like 16 people saw it. I mean, it was ridiculous. I couldn't get I was screaming at the top of my lungs about all of this stuff the whole year. And I can prove it any time to anyone. That's right. That's right. We we had similar experience. You were screaming way louder than I was initially, and you had a lot more data and information because of your wealth of knowledge. And I'm just so grateful that you have been speaking out and so impressed with all your wealth of knowledge and information. And the thing um, is, that really helped me to- was I, I'm really good. I'm very mathematical. You know, I was a physics major at MIT. You know, you have to be a real mathematical person to get through that. And I am. And I would see these little quirks in the mathematics of this thing all along and look into it a little bit. And, my, and they go, oh, my God, we've already reached herd immunity. And I'd be able to show it to you on the graphs. Mm-hmm. Or we, or the vaccine isn't. I, need, I needed second derivatives to prove that the vaccine was not blocking transmission. And I did it by January 15th. The rest of the medical community didn't get it until April. Which but it's goes because, back. Go ahead. Which goes back to how you, me, and all of us need to work together to change the whole way the medical system works. We have to, after we, they all go to jail and then we need (laughs) to educate our colleagues, you know, because also our colleagues, you know, that regular doctors who did no due diligence to research the risks and adverse events related to this vaccine they just blindly followed the cdc and those people need to also be you know educated on medical freedom and you know the data and the science and all the wealth of knowledge that you have but we have to not stop here right it's all coming out but we have to push past here the first thing the first order of business definitely since we're doctors and this is our bailiwick we have to First of all, explain and and scream foul when we see what was done, which we've already done. We've we've like I wrote in a tweet the other day. Now that we know what everyone has done, 
And it's proven now what they did. You know, Fauci and these guys are blocking ivermectin use and pushing remdesivir, which is filthy medicine. Mm-hmm. Dangerous as hell. All right. Now we know what they've done, right? And we know the mistakes they made. And they made did a lot of it on purpose, obviously. I mean, we have that video of Fauci saying, oh, if you've had the disease before, that's the best kind of um, protection you can have. He did that about three years later. And then and then for COVID, he says, oh, having had the disease and recovered from it, you still need the vaccine. You know, it's so ridiculous that he said the opposite thing like that so close in time. Yeah. But anyway, we caught him. Then we have to list the people and what they did, which I did in my book. That's why it was a yeah. very important <laughs> book. Had to be written. Absolutely. So thank you. <laughs> and, and now we have to push to have them prosecuted. And that's the stage we're at now. It, it really doesn't do us any, that much good anymore to say, oh, Fauci did this and this back mm-hmm. in April of 2020. We, he's yeah. committed enough crimes now. He needs to be prosecuted. And I'll tell you, if the new Congress that comes in doesn't call these people in and interview them, I'm talking about all of them. I'm talking about Dazic, Ralph Barrick of UNC that was involved in making right. this virus. Right. All these people, if they don't all get called in, including... Um, I hate to say it, but including Francis Collins, who used to be the head of the NIH, who ran yep. the Human Genome yeah. Project for the United States. Yep. It's calling He's people conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. that said it started in a lab. I said that on February 20th of 2020 in an article that got taken down by Facebook. But <laughs> I said it back in February 20th that it was guaranteed to have come from a lab and they called me a conspiracy theorist over it. I mean, and Francis Collins did. And this guy was a giant of biomedical stature in the 20th century. But he's he's been pulled all the way down now. He was trying to cover up people from having open-minded discussions on science. I mean, it's disgraceful what they did. Remember he said we need to do a published takedown of the Great Barrington Declaration people and all this stuff. Did yep. y'all see that? Yeah, terrible. Terrible. And so he needs to be called into Congress and say, what are you doing? Call it, telling everybody it was a conspiracy theory to check into a very obvious possibility. I mean, the thing came from the same town as a biosafety level three lab. I never thought it had anything possibility except for coming from a lab. Why did it come from Wuhan, China? There's 106 cities in China with more than 2 million people in them. And they came from the same place where they had the only lab they have in the whole country. Of course, it was logical to think it came from the lab. Well, yeah, because the yeah, virus was it's, patented it's in 2019, really. you know, by Pilbright, sponsored by the Bill and the Gates Foundation. They've been working on this virus for a very long time. The genetic structure is not uh, something that there's sequences uh, in it that know. are that are not that don't occur naturally i mean it's unbelievable the evidence in this thing in the in the gene sequence of it it's it's incredible but anyway the point is we already know what they did all those people need to be called in by congress or i'll tell you i'll lose a lot of faith in congress the republicans won control they need to call these people in and if they don't call them in I don't know what I'm going to think of them from now on. Reed, so we're going to close out. Can we promo okay. your book and give us a final thought? Sure. Um, you can promo <laughs> my book. It's called um, Heroes and Villains, the COVID-19 Book of Lists. It's at Amazon if you want to get it. And I recommend everybody get it just for like a reference of our time, kind of. 
it's 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 got photographs of all the culprits in it and the do-gooders. Um, they're ranked, you know, in order. And if you don't agree with the order, send me an email. My email is rsheftal at gmail.com and we can discuss it over email. I tried to make the best order I could, but the order is not as important as what these people did. And they need to be prosecuted. That's the next step so that this never happens again. People were abused over this for money is really what it comes down to. And control. The government benefited by control also, but they wanted to give a, a little um, bit of money to the vaccine companies so that they would keep them in office and so forth. But the government really wanted to control the people and a dry run on controlling people and making them locked down and everything. I've heard that they might try to do it for climate change now. Have you heard about this? Doing a lockdown to reduce CO2 emissions or something? Good Lord. I've yeah, got we suspected I've got that. I need to say about climate change if you ever want to talk about that sometime. Yeah, we could do we'll that one. That's a good one. Because that's a real physics driven thing. I can explain all of that to you. Ooh. But, but anyway, um, so that's the book. And um, the final thought is. There was a, a movement a few years ago in the Philippines called People Power. And I'm telling you, this is the kind of thing we need in the United States now, if y'all want to stop this nonsense from occurring again. People are going to have to band together and demand that these criminals get put to justice. And it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to stick your neck out a little bit. Yeah. You're going to have to risk your medical license or your job at the hospital. You might have to drive a Toyota for six months instead of a Mercedes, but you're going to have to do something about this if you want a change. If you don't, you're going to have to live through it again. Well, we have to teach people about freedom, how we need to protect our freedoms, how we're only one coercive lockdown away from not having our freedoms, and that uh, we the people have a government that represents us and that any sort of top-down bureaucratic monopolistic entities should not be dictating what we do in our day-to-day -day lives or telling us what to inject into ourselves. Hey, Maddie, what's your close for the podcast? Um, I was going to say, like, to just kind of piggyback off what you were just saying is like, I think an important point and part of that is you, so a lot of these people, they might have been on team, you know, right or you know what was francis collins that all approved like they were on the quote-unquote right side of this this time it, there's no guarantee whatsoever that they would be next time depending on what the issue is what they were asked to do what they were asked to give up you know like i, I said earlier like the elite laptop class got to sit comfortably in their yoga pants from home and many still do I mean, I will say I'm at home and I'm enjoying my remote <laughs> capabilities right now, but, you know, I wasn't asking to shut the world down for a flu. And so I guess it's just, uh, you know, one of the recurring themes is that this could really happen to anybody. And it, we just happen to be the ones paying attention to it this time. But we would hope that going forward, more people would be waking up now. They'd be waking up soon if they're not awake yet. And um you know, it's people like us that have to kind of keep delivering this message, keep getting this uh, these points across so that it's not worse next time, because there I think there is going to be a next time and um, we're not out of the woods yet. The only thing I would add to that, Maddie, about the laptop class is <laughs> that the the people that stayed home did worse because they were for even the laptop class did. Now, I had an argument with Jay about this, Dr. Bhattacharya. Mm hmm. 
because the people that stayed home stayed in stagnant air and in stagnant True. air, the virus accumulates. The people that did better were the people who went outside and I can prove it with the data, no problem. So the whole concept of lockdowns was a terrible idea. It created little pockets of stagnant air, which were the houses mm -hmm. where the, the, I've got a slide here that I can show you sometime. The, the, um, the, the stagnant air is the problem. Think about runners on a track when there's a hundred meter section of four inch sand. Whereas the track, if they're running a marathon on a regular track, they have to run over a hundred laps, right? But after they've run about 25 laps, there are going to be a lot more people in the 100 meter section that has four inch sand than there are on the rest of the, any other 100 meter section. Because the stagnant air is like the sand on a track that the people accumulate in the slow moving mm. part of the track. You understand? And that's what happens in houses. So whether you, we have a laptop or not, you're better off going outside and shooting baskets. And here the government was filling skateboard parks with sand. Do you remember that? Yep. Going up there with a gun truck and dumping sand in skateboard tracks when everybody should have been outside where the concentration of the virus was much lower and the ventilation was better. So that's another thing we could discuss sometime, but that's physics and that yeah. is absolutely 100% correct. Lockdowns made no sense at all. And this is what I wanted to tell Tucker Carlson back at the beginning of the year. I wanted to explain to him that when you force everyone to go into a house, you're gonna make it worse, not better. Taking people that's off of the athletic field and making them go home and stay where they're not even moving. Good Lord, man, you couldn't think of a stupider thing to do. And bringing Junior home from college to make him lock down with grandma. Can oh, you think yeah. of a possibly stupider idea than that? Anyway, that's my last two cents about it. We'll talk more <laughs> if you want to. We'll have to sometime, but I'm about to turn into a pumpkin. Um, so everybody, uh, that was Dr. Reed Sheftal. And as a reminder, this was uh, Dr. Irene Mavrikakis rejoining us on the Vixens. Jesse had to run. Um, so this is just me, Maddie, closing us out tonight. But um, we'll link to Dr. Sheftal's book um, and his uh, Twitter page, because that's where I found him. Um, and I believe he's got a sub stack, so we can put that in the show notes as well. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a wealth of knowledge. And I think from a different sort of perspective that I think is like shatterproof in terms of logic. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for bringing it all to our attention and everybody, um, everybody listening, we'll catch you next time whenever that might be, uh, no promises. Um, but in the meantime, keep it sane, keep it peaceful, and keep it voluntary.